0: welcome to the saturday seal of god ministries or double s o g m a podcast and community aiming to connect the times and events of today to bible prophecy to make better sense of what is happening to us and around us as we are all free-willed individuals we aim to be a community of critical thinkers who do not blindly follow the world and its mainstream narrative who do not blindly perpetuate and regurgitate what is quote popular but we aim to be individuals firm in biblically sound ideas, decisions, and convictions who will not allow the world or individuals to intimidate, bully, coerce, or sway us from sound logic, from what we believe to be possible or from what we believe to be the truth. In this space, we take the time and put in the work to research and to think independently with a biblical lens.
1: It is Friday, the 29th day of October and the year is 2021. On the last episode, we covered briefly about the Sabbath and how God set the great example by first keeping the Sabbath. Even in Jesus' day, he kept the Sabbath, and there is not one scripture that even hints at the Sabbath being moved to the first day. So in this episode, we'll cover in detail just how the Sabbath came to be moved and who boldly changed God's word. Today's episode is entitled, The History of Sunday Worship and code red for humanity. Now for opening prayer. Dear Jesus, please open our minds and our hearts to receive the message being covered today. Please give us discernment so that we may see the things around us on a deeper level. Thank you and in your name we pray, amen. So in today's episode, we will be covering six topics. Number one being God's law and the 10 Commandments story. Number two, where and how Sunday worship got its inception. Number three, breaking down and understanding sun worship, what the number 666 means and what it represents. Number four, a look at other Sabbath keeping denominations. Number five, code red for humanity. And number six, the significance of the Saturday Sabbath. So let us jump in with number one, God's law and the Ten Commandments story. In the 19th chapter of the book Exodus, the Bible tells us that at this point, the Israelite people were in the desert after being enslaved in Egypt. In this chapter, God descended upon Mount Sinai in fire. Verse 18 tells us that it's smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly the Israelites stood at the foot of the mountain and God called Moses on top of the mountain. In chapter 20 is where God gives Moses his law. And the Bible also tells us that the people witnessed, quote, thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sun, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar. Verse 19 says, quote, Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die, end quote. They were essentially shook and were afraid to speak to God directly. Moses then promptly communicated that the Lord has come to test them so that, quote, His fear may be before them so that they may not sin, end quote. Shortly after, God said to Moses to tell them that they may not make for themselves anything to be with God, So no gods of silver and no gods of gold, they shall not make for themselves. Instead, God had clear instructions of an altar of the earth that was to be made for him, which they were to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. Moving to chapter 31, God covers his Sabbath command, which he wrote with his finger, saying in verses 12 through 17, quote, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak also to the children of Israel saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest holy to the lord whoever does any work on the sabbath day he shall surely be put to death therefore the children of israel shall keep the sabbath to observe the sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant it is a sign between me and the children of israel forever for in six days the lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed and when he had made an end of speaking with him on mount sinai he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God, end quote. Directly following in the chapter, because Moses had delayed, the children of Israel wanted a statue that they could worship and it seems to me because they were essentially restless and needed something to do. Their thinking too was it had been so long and they knew not what became of Moses. So Aaron started a collection of gold where he melted it down in the statue of a calf. Then in verse seven, the Lord tells Moses to go down that the people had corrupted themselves. God's wrath burned hot against the people. But after Moses pleaded on their behalf, God's punishment was scaled back. So Moses went down and he first saw Joshua who thought there was a sound of war in the camp. Only for Moses to approach the camp to determine that it was a sound of singing. He saw the calf and the dancing and Moses's anger became hot and he smashed the tablets of the commandments, which God had written with his finger. So Moses went before God and offered himself in the place of their sins, but only Jesus could do that. So God said their sins against him would be blot out. He then informed Moses that he would plague them because of their calf worship. As we're aware, Shortly after, God instructs Moses to cut two tablets of stone like the first and to meet him back in the morning at Mount Sinai, where for 40 days, God wrote using his finger again, the commandments. Now I say, what a powerful story. And the key takeaway I would like to highlight is how much God dislikes other graven images or God's in place of his worship. Now moving on to number two, Where and how Sunday worship got its inception? Who changed the Sabbath? So as previously mentioned, God sanctified and hallowed the seventh day as his holy day. Yet today, Christians predominantly worship on Sunday. So the question is begged, who changed the Sabbath and why? I will quote various Catholic priests from their own Catholic publications. And there are 10 of them. Number one, quote, for example, Nowhere in the Bible do we find that Christ or the apostles ordered that the Sabbath be changed from Saturday to Sunday. We have the commandments of God given to Moses to keep holy the Sabbath day. And that is the seventh day of the week, Saturday. Today, most Christians keep Sunday because it has been revealed to us by the Roman Catholic Church outside of the Bible, end quote. And that was taken from a publication called Catholic Virginian, October 3rd, 1947. Number two, written by the finger of God on two tables of stone. This divine code, Ten Commandments, was received from the Almighty by Moses amid the thunders of Mount Sinai. Christ resumed these commandments in the double precept of charity, love of God and of the neighbor. He proclaimed them as binding under the new law in Matthew 19 and in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. The Catholic Church, on the other hand, after changing the day of rest from the Jewish Sabbath, or seventh day of the week, to the first, may the third commandment refer to Sunday as the day to be kept holy as the Lord's day. God claims one day out of the seven as a memorial to himself, and this must be kept holy." End quote. And that is from the Catholic Encyclopedia, 1908. Number four, the following is a series of questions and answers by the Archbishop of New York in 1876. Question. How do you prove that the church had the power to command feasts and holy days? Answer. By the very act of changing the Sabbath into Sunday, which Protestants allow of, and therefore they fondly contradict themselves by keeping Sunday strictly, and breaking most other feasts commanded by the same church. Question. Have you any other way of proving that the church has power to institute festivals of precept? Answer, had she not such power, she could not have done that in which all modern religionists agree with her. She could not have substituted the observance of Sunday, the first day of the week, for the observance of Saturday, the seventh day of the week, a change for which there is no scriptural authority." End quote. Number five another series of questions and answers by a Catholic reverend question which is the Sabbath day answer Saturday is the Sabbath day question why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday answer we observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church in the council of the Laodicea AD 364 transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday end quote number six Protestantism in discarding the authority of the Roman Catholic Church has no good reason for its Sunday theory and ought logically to keep Saturday as the Sabbath. End quote. And those were words written in the American Catholic Quarterly Review, January 1883. Number seven, they, the Protestants, deem it is their duty to keep Sunday holy. Why? Because the Catholic Church tells them to do so. They have no other reason. The observance of Sunday thus comes to be an ecclesiastical law entirely distinct from the divine law of Sabbath observance. The author of the Sunday law is the Catholic Church, taken from the Ecclesiastical Review, February 1914. Number eight, quote, Sunday is our mark or authority. The church is above the Bible, and this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. End quote, taken from the Catholic Review of London, Ontario, September 1st, 1923. Number nine, quote, regarding the change from the observance of the Jewish Sabbath to the Christian Sunday, I wish to draw your attention to the facts. And there are two facts. Number one, that the Protestants who accept the Bible as the only rule of faith and religion should by all means go back to the observance of the Sabbath. The fact that they do not, but on the contrary, observe Sunday, stultifies them in the eyes of every thinking man. And number two, quote, we Catholics do not accept the Bible as the only rule of faith. Besides the Bible, we have the living church and the authority of the church as a rule to guide us. We say this church instituted by Christ to teach and guide man through life, has the right to change the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament and hence we accept her change of the Sabbath to Sunday. We frankly say, yes, the church made this change, made this law, as she made many other laws. For instance, the Friday abstinence, the unmarried priesthood, the laws concerning mixed marriages and regulation of Catholic marriages and a thousand other laws. It is always somewhat laughable to see the Protestant churches in pulpit and legislation demand the observance of Sunday, of which there is nothing in their Bible, end quote. Taken from the Catholic Church Extension Magazine, USA, 1975. And lastly, number 10, quote, you are a Protestant, and you profess to go by the Bible, and the Bible only, and yet, in so important a manner as the observance of one day in seven as the holy day, you go against the plain letter of the Bible. And put another day in the place of that day which the Bible has commanded. The command to keep holy the seventh day is one of the Ten Commandments. You believe that the other nine are still binding. Who gave you the authority to tamper with the fourth? If you are consistent with your own principles, if you really follow the Bible, and the Bible only, you ought to be able to produce some portion of the New Testament in which this fourth commandment is expressly altered. End quote taken from the Clifton Tract, published by the Roman Catholic Church, 1869. So, family, as we can see, it was the Roman Catholic Church who has boldly proclaimed the authority to change the Almighty God's law, and the world has pretty much followed this deception. So, moving on to number three, we're going to break down and understand sun worship, what the number 666 means, and what it represents. So that I fully encapsulate the full meanings and messages of this history, I will proceed to do quite a bit of quoting from an article on Sabbath.com. Quote, Most of the world is oblivious to the fact that worshiping on Sunday did not begin with the advent of Christianity. It was in fact a religious day of worship 2000 years before Jesus Christ. It was shortly after the flood of Noah that Nimrod and his mother wife, Semerisus, founded the great pagan religions. From its beginning at the Tower of Babel, sun worship spread right throughout the entire ancient world. Apart from the true religion of the God of the Bible, history reveals that all religions originated from Babylon. It is admitted by most historians and Bible scholars that the gods and goddesses of the ancient civilizations were all a part of the same religious belief system. The names of the various deities, however, were different because of the confusing of the languages at the Tower of Babel. Every single pagan religion, with their many and varied gods and goddesses, worshiped the sun as their main deity. Moreover, sun worship is the direct worship of Satan the devil under the symbolism of worshiping the sun. One of the names of Satan in the Old Testament is Lucifer, which means light bringer. This was Satan's name before his rebellion against God. Now to fire and sun worship. Note that fire worship was just one of the many forms of sun worship that in actual fact was also part of Satan worship. Ancient Israel not only transgressed the Sabbath of God by profaning and secularizing it when they worshiped Baal, but in doing so, they were also observing Sunday because Baal worship was sun worship and Sunday was a day when the sun was worshiped. Baal was the principal deity of the Phoenicians, which was worshiped by the Semitic nations and means Lord or Master in the Hebrew tongue. Baal also represents the sun, and therefore Sunday is Baal's day, and literally, but somewhat blasphemously, could be called the Lord's day. But Baal is not the Lord God of the Bible. Rather, it is the Lord Satan. Satan is called the God of this world and is worshiped by God by those who have been deceived into believing his lies. Since Baal means Lord, every minor God is also a Baal. Note the ancient stone idol of Baal. All Baals are referred to as Balaam. Baal was also worshiped as Beelzebub, Baal. Just as the dragon has a symbol, it is very interesting to note in ancient mythology, the serpent was universally the symbol of the sun. Sun worship and serpent worship began side by side. The religion of the serpent has passed down from one occult priesthood to another all the way down through the years as man was scattered throughout the earth from the time of the Tower of Babel. A Buddhist temple in Thailand has two winged serpents adorning the sanctuary entrance. The serpent symbolizes a guardian to the temple in Alexandria, Egypt. Even the United States have adopted the serpent called Aesculapius in the medical field. In Greece, this serpent was the god of drugs and medicines, i.e. a counterfeit healer. The Romans adopted the worship of the serpent as a symbol of power that carries the soul to heaven. In the Archaeological Museum in Rome, a sarcophagus of the dead has two serpents pulling a chariot taking these people to heaven. Rome also adopted this symbol of the serpent as the healer. Now on to 666 and the sun worship and why God calls the Catholic Church Babylon. Revelation 13, 18 says that mysterious number 666 is the number of the man from the beast power. The book of Daniel explains that a beast is a kingdom and we know this kingdom is the papal church. Before looking further at 666 being the number of a man, let's find out what the significance of the number of the beast is and why God gave this number to the head of the papal church. We know the mark and the number of the beast are about worship, and we are told not to worship the beast. We also know that 666 is the number of a man heading this power. But what is the origin of this mysterious number 666? Before getting into this extraordinary and fascinating topic, it is very relevant to look at the significance of the Babylonians using the sexagesimal, which is base 60, Number system from which comes 60 minutes in an hour, 60 seconds in a minute, 360 degrees in a circle, which is 60 times 6, and 60 degrees in each angle of an equilateral triangle, etc. 360 divided by 10 equals 36, and 6 times 6 equals 36. It is from this that this mysterious number 666, being the number of the beast, originated from, which was directly linked with the worship practices of ancient Babylon from around the time of Daniel. The Babylonians worshiped gods that were associated with the sun, moon, planets, and stars involved with astrology. Babylonians were also the principal developers of astrology as we know it today, and it is because of this that the pagan priest wore amulets called Sejilisolees, or sun seal, which symbolized 36 constellations. Their system of worship had 36 supreme gods, which included the sun god, which they believed to be the father of all the other gods, and so was supreme over all. The Babylonians also believed that numbers had power over their gods they worshiped, so they assigned numbers to their gods so that they could have power over them. They did this by counting their gods and assigning a consecutive number to each of the 36 lesser supreme gods and then added up these numbers from one to 36 and assigned the sum to the sun god. The first god they counted got the number one assigned to it, which was also the number for the sun god for the purposes of the counting process. Their second god was assigned to the moon god and of course had the number two assigned to it and so on up to the 36 gods. The gods numbered from three through 36 were considered the children of the sun god which included the various stars and constellations that these gods were associated with. The sum of the numbers from one to 36, as I'm sure that you have already guessed by now totals 666, which they also assigned to the god associated with the sun as being the father of all their gods. Note that the numbers 666 and 36 are called summary numbers because they summarize the sum of the number of the gods. 36 is a summary number for the god numbers 1 through 8, while 666 is a summary numbers of the god numbers 1 through 36. They are more commonly called triangular numbers, which was an important concept to the ancient Babylonians. Each god has one or more numbers assigned to it, as the sun god not only had the number 666 assigned to it as the sum of the numbers of the 36 gods, but it also had the number 1 assigned to it which went towards creating the sum of the 36 god numbers. The moon god was assigned the number two and it was considered the wife of the sun god. So their most important son was assigned the number three and typified all new life, whether plant or animal. The summary number of all three of these gods was six because one plus two plus three equals six. As Merle Vance put it, as a summary number of the father, the mother and the son Six therefore embraced all powers of the three gods. Logically, to swear by the number six was to swear by the power of all three of these gods. This was the pagan origin of the Trinity doctrine. While speculative, it is possible that this may have had something to do with the choice of having 36 gods, because six times six equals 36. The historical background is vital to understanding that sun worship was the dominant religion in all ancient civilizations and that it spread from mother babylon into all countries rome greece egypt china india africa south america mexico and europe sun worship was a very prominent religion and sunday was the main day of worship in the roman empire by the time of jesus christ just as it was in ancient babylon most know that english names for the days of the week are pagan names but did you know that in over 100 other languages in the world saturday is still called the sabbath just as it was named at creation this dates right back to babel in genesis 11 where saturday was recognized as the sabbath day and was incorporated into the very name of the day this precedes judaism and the giving of the law Most people have no idea how extremely significant the fourth commandment is to God, yet we find that our adversary from the very beginning has been working towards his own day of worship with his intention to have it replace God's true day of worship. Having a close look at the history of Sunday worship reveals that Lucifer had a long-term plan and has gone to a tremendous amount of effort to achieve his goal. Why would Satan go to so much trouble If the fourth commandment is not pertinent, as our adversary would have us believe, could it be that all 10 commandments are to last as long as heaven and earth as Jesus told us? If Christians could only grasp that the fourth commandment is just as much an eternal moral law as the other nine, our God of infinite wisdom would not place a temporary law in an eternal law or a law that is not love in a law that is love. Our God is not a fool and is not the author of confusion. God placed the fourth commandment, his moral law, because it is a sign that it is God we love and worship and that we are his children. It is also a sign that it is God that sanctifies us and makes us his holy children. It is not a sign when we keep another day. To do so is to profane the holy and try to make the holy profane. Only God can make a day holy. So I have quoted many excerpts from the article entitled, Who Changed the Sabbath to Sunday? And it is abundantly clear that looking at history, the sheer importance and significance of Sunday worship over God's Sabbath, it is so much deeper than simply a day change. I have said it before, this is a spiritual war which is over worship and allegiance. And now moving to number four, a look at other Sabbath keeping denominations. And I quote, Did you know that there are over 500 commandment following Sabbath keeping denominations? Many say that Sabbath keeping is legalism, but legalism is something you do to earn your way to heaven. The hundreds of different Sabbath keeping churches that know the blessings of keeping God's Sabbath do not keep the day to earn entrance into the kingdom, but keep the day because they love God with all their heart, soul, and might. Salvation is a free gift And so there is nothing we can do to earn our entrance into the kingdom as we are justified by faith and not by works of the law. But does this mean that we do not have to obey the law? Thankfully, Paul made the answer to this question clear and informs us that we do not make void the law through faith, Romans 3 verse 31. For even further clarity, Romans 2 verse 13 leaves no doubt as to who is justified before God. Now moving on to number five which is code red for humanity so i understand that the final mark of the beast is sunday worship after it is put into law and legislation one may wonder how will this be how will this be implemented as genesis 6 3 tells us that god's spirit will not always reside with us since the resurrection he has slowly been withdrawing his spirit that means that he is allowing satan more and more free reign to unleash on this earth. As you know, we have natural disasters all of the time, all over the world. We have wildfires, we have tsunamis, we have tornadoes, we have hurricanes, we have pest problems, etc. All it would take is for some major, catastrophic disaster to occur to shake the world into seeing the need to set aside a day for rest. Sunday law may be issued in the name of climate change. Alternatively, It could be something like an atomic bomb being dropped, destroying a city or state as a result of some kind of feud or war between two countries, which could also be the wake up call for the world to turn to God. It may be either of those or both or even something else, but we must keep in mind that agitation for Sunday law is growing and has been growing for many years. On August 9th, 2021, The Guardian released an article about the United Nations and Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's report on the climate crisis. It says, quote, finds that human activity is changing the Earth's climate in unprecedented ways with some of the changes now inevitable and irreversible, end quote. They have been insinuating for years that human activity alone has been the cause of climate change. And because we have climate change, we have more and more random natural disasters. I believe it is actually a combination of God removing his spirit, allowing the devil to cause more and more destruction via the weather to make it appear as if it is due to climate change. I also believe it is to make it appear as if God is unhappy with the way we have treated the world, his creation, and those disasters are punishment for trashing the earth. According to the greensabbathproject.net, they say, quote, Is there nothing you can do about the environment? Nothing? Nothing? may be one of the best things you can do. One day, every week, do nothing. Take a weekly day of rest, make it a real Sabbath for you, for earth, don't drive, don't shop, don't build, don't walk, eat with friends, play or read with your kids, sing, meditate, celebrate contentment, end quote. This idea of a Sabbath, a day to rest, to observe for the environment is already and has been in circulation for many years. As we know, these things usually snowball or grow in increments. The Green Sabbath Project suggests for an individual to choose whatever day they would like. Their aim is to just put this into practice. But it is not hard for one to see how this seemingly good idea could be hijacked and taken to another extreme. As I mentioned in the last episode, the current U.S. President, Joseph Biden, is the only second U.S. President in history to be a Catholic, after John F. Kennedy. Biden is set to attend the upcoming U.N. Climate Change Summit, hosted by the United Kingdom in Glasgow. The dates of this summit run from October 31st to November 12, 2021. The Pope is reportedly not going to attend the U.N. Climate Change Summit, but president Biden is set to fly to Rome on today, October 29th, to speak privately with the Pope. The following are quotes from an MSN article. Quote, The President takes pride in his Catholic faith, using it as moral guideposts to shape many of the social and economic policies. Biden wears a rosary and frequently attends mass. Yet his support of abortion and same-sex marriages has put him at odds with the US bishops, some of whom have suggested that he be denied communion. There is a great deal of agreement and overlap with the President and Pope Francis on a range of issues, including poverty, combating the climate change, and ending the COVID-19 pandemic, Saki said. These are all hugely important, impactful issues that will be the centerpiece of their discussions when they meet, end quote. So there we have it. It will be interesting nonetheless to see what becomes of this meeting. And I will leave it right there. Now moving on to number six, the conclusion and the significance of the Saturday Sabbath. Exodus 20 uh, verses eight through 11, New King James Version reads, "'Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you should not do work. You nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The fourth commandment is the only commandment that contains the seal of God. A seal is something that contains the name, title, and territory. So what is the name? Quote, the Lord your God, End quote. What is the title? The title is the creator. Quote, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, End quote. And lastly, what is the territory? Quote, the heavens and the earth, End quote. In Ezekiel 20 verses 12, God tells us, that he gave to us his Sabbath to be a sign or a seal between him and us that we may know that he sanctifies us. So God does not leave any guessing. He clearly tells us what his seal is. God's seal is the Saturday Sabbath worship. Now Satan being the counterfeiter that he is, will try to copy God's seal and seal his people too. His seal will actually be a mark, otherwise known as the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is undoubtedly false Sabbath worship on Sunday, only after Sunday worship is finally put into law and legislation by man on a global scale. And it is my understanding that as America, being the beast that rose up from the earth, will be the first to institute this law. Now this concludes this episode. Now that the spiritual and biblical foundation has been set, We will now proceed to review real world things that we are experiencing today with a biblical lens. Please look out for episode three to be released on this upcoming Thursday morning, November 4th, 2021. It will be a longer specialized episode where we will be breaking down the history of technology in relation to pandemics, what is The Great Reset in further detail, and how coincidentally the COVID-19 pandemic fits in great with the reset agenda perfectly. This is an episode that you will not want to miss. Have a beautiful Sabbath and wonderful weekend. God bless. Now for closing prayer. Dear Jesus, please give us the strength to keep your commandments. We pray today that the deceived Sunday-keeping churches will awaken to your truth. We praise your name and thank you for everything. Lord, we deserve nothing, yet you are still so good. We thank you again, and in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Saturday Seal of God Ministries podcast. We look forward to your prayers, support, and participation. If you do nothing else, please share this link and podcast with others so that the information can spread please email us at ssogministries at Tuda.io for any inquiries, comments, concerns, criticisms, and or suggestions. Please note that in this podcast description, you will find a link to the document with all sources cited in this podcast episode. Please note that there is not yet a podcast video available for this episode, but we are working on them. Lastly, again, please share with loved ones, friends, church family, anyone. May God bless you and keep you until we meet again.